Alright, and welcome to this episode of Science Audio Osmosis. In this episode, we're going to be focusing more on the biomedical science end of things as we look at neurology and the basics of the nervous system. So to begin, we're really going to talk about um, exactly what the nervous system is, what it consists of, and uh, how it works. So the nervous system consists of two different divisions. We have the central nervous system, which is made up of the brain and the spinal cord, and the peripheral nervous system, which is the network of nerves and neural tissues that branch out from the spinal cord and go all throughout of our body. Now, part of that peripheral nervous system is uh, the neuron, and the neuron is the nerve cell. Okay, Neurons are the nerve cells. They are the structural and functional units of our nervous system, and there's different types of neurons. Uh, neurons conduct impulses that enable the body to interact with its internal and external environments. The tissues that surround and support the nerve cell cells are called neuroglia. One of the main types of neurons that we'll discuss are called motor neurons. And motor neurons have the job to cause muscle contractions and they also control secretions from glands and organs. Basically, motor neurons control your body functions. Motor neurons usually have one axon which is uh, a long extended limb of the cell. And the axon is covered with an insulating fatty layer called a myelin sheath. Think of the axon as kind of an electric cord and the myelin sheath as the rubber or plastic covering over the wire. Now, this enables the neuron to transmit signals a long uh, distance from the neuron head, or the, the cell body, the nucleus, down the myelin sheath, down that axon, to the axon terminal, to the end of where the signal needs to go. So motor neurons, um, they're the ones that control our bodily functions, and they're usually the ones we, we generally think of when we think of a, a picture of a neuron in our heads, that's what we think of. Now, sensory neurons are attached to sensory receptors, and they transmit impulses to the central nervous system, which then stimulate inner neurons and then motor neurons. And sensory neurons are the ones that, think if you think about it like this, they, they're the ones that kind of pick up signals such as touch, uh, feeling, uh, warmth, cold, that sort of thing. So how this works, let's say you put your hand down onto uh, a hot stove. Uh, the sensory neuron, the nerve receptors, pick up that heat and send that signal through a sensory neuron. That signal goes from the sensory neuron into what we call an inner neuron. And the inner neuron is located in the central nervous system. So that means spinal cord or brain. All right. Uh, the signal is interpreted, and then a reactionary signal is then sent to a motor neuron, which then causes you to take your hand off of that hot stove. Now, that seems like a very complex process, and it is. And this is happening literally at the speed of light inside of your body. You touch something hot, and you realize, oh gosh, it's hot. 
time to take off my hand. Uh, there's really not a, a long period of time there, right? Um, you, you move your hand pretty quickly if you would put your hand down onto a hot stove. Uh, that's how fast these signals are moving and how fast our nervous system is at interpreting and reacting to our environment. Now, talking about peripheral nerves, um, these are the nerves that we find, you know, on our fingertips, on our toes, the, the, the very outside edge of our nervous system. Uh, mostly they're made up of Schwann cells. Now, if you're thinking that the name Schwann sounds just a little bit familiar from biology, you're right. Schwann was a scientist. In fact, he, he, uh, he studied a lot of different things. One of the things he contributed, though, in biology was to the cell theory. Uh, talking about how cells were the basic unit of life and uh, cells only come from other cells. Schwann was one of the main players in developing cell theory in biology. Uh, so much so that he got a cell named after him. So Schwann was a dude and uh, this is his cell, Schwann cells. So they're nerve cells that are on the peripheral nervous system. All right. Uh, there are no Schwann cells uh, in the central nervous system. All right. Uh, here's the deal with Schwann cells. These are the only nerves which can regenerate. So if you have an injury, um, generally on, on the peripheral nervous system, those nerve cells will regenerate to a certain extent. Because there's no Schwann cells in your central nervous system, when we have damage to our central nervous system, i.e. brain and spinal cord there's no regeneration that takes place so damage to those is not reversible now we call a nerve really uh, is just a bundle of nerve fibers and there's a couple of different types of nerves a couple of different types of these bundles of nerve fibers there's afferent and efferent right if the words Affect and effect always confused you in English class. I'm sorry to say this is going to be very much the same type of confusion. Afferent, with an A, afferent nerves conduct impulses to the central nervous system. Efferent nerves, with an E, conduct impulses to the muscles, organs, and glands. So we have afferent nerves that are sending the signals into our central nervous system, efferent nerves are the ones conducting impulses out of the central nervous system. Another important uh, piece of uh, neuron in our nervous system is something called a synapse. And you may have heard, you know, somebody say about your synapse is firing. Well, a synapse is really kind of like the connection that exists between two neurons, a connection between the two uh, axons from one neuron to another. The number of synapses influences the transmission of a signal. So that number can decrease with disease, lack of stimulation, even drug use. So the more synaptic connections that are made between neurons, the more transmission of information is happening. We see this especially in the brain. This is why school is important. Um, this, is, this is the answer to the age-old why do we have to learn this question. 
Is it really important that you learn the major players in the War of 1812? Well, no, it isn't. Is it really important that you be able to diagram a sentence in English class in your everyday life? How many days of the week does the normal adult use pre-calculus? Well, very rarely. So what's the point in learning it? The point is, as you're learning this material, what you're doing is you're forcing your brain to make more and more connections, create more and more synaptic connections between neurons. That's causing information to be able to be transferred and processed faster and faster within your brain. In other words, it's making you smarter. Now, that process can be reversed. Sometimes it's a natural uh, reversal uh, due to age, uh, due to disease, such as Alzheimer's disease. Other times, things like drug use uh, will destroy those connections. Now, sometimes we hear about you know, your gray matter. And gray matter uh, tends to be kind of a common term for the brain. And it actually is a medical term. So we have gray and white matter in our central nervous system. The brain and the spinal cord of the central nervous system receive impulses, they process information, they respond with the appropriate action. The gray matter of the brain and spinal cord consists of unsheathed nerve fibers. Basically, um, these are like the wires without the, the coating on them. So these nerve fibers cannot be regenerated if they're damaged. Now the brain, the spinal cord, are enclosed by three membranes, collectively known as the meninges. The outside membrane is called the dura mater. The middle membrane is called the arachnoid. And the inside membrane closest to the brain is called the pia mater. Now, your brain is actually connected up and um, is a collection of different lobes, different pieces of the brain. The main part of the brain is called the cerebrum. Uh, the cerebrum actually takes up about seven-eighths of the brain's weight, and it governs all sensory and motor activity. This includes sensory perception, emotions, consciousness, memory, voluntary movements. It's divided into left and right hemispheres. Uh, the surface, or the cortex, what we call it, is arranged in these um, characteristic bulging folds. Each one of those folds is called a gyrus, and a furrow, which is called a sulcus. So the bulges are called a gyrus, and then the, the, kind of the crevice is called a, a sulcus. Now, the cortex is divided into the four lobes and the overlying uh, bones of the skull. The frontal lobe specializes in motor activity, personality, and speech. The parietal lobe, which is kind of sits sort of mid-back on the cerebrum, it's, that's where language, temperature, pressure, touch are all interpreted. The temporal lobe which uh, we have two temporal lobes, one on either side, right above, right there at our temples, uh, contains centers for hearing, smell, language. The occipital lobe, which sits at the very back, actually is the one that specializes in vision. 
This is why people who fall very hard uh, on the back of their head uh, many times will go blind because it's that occipital lobe that actually does the work of um, interpreting what we are, what our eyes see. The cerebellum is the second largest part of the brain. The cerebellum uh, sits kind of underneath our brain, deep inside of our head. It contains nerve fibers that connect it to every part of the central nervous system. The cerebellum is the one that coordinates voluntary and involuntary patterns of movements. It adjusts muscles to automatically maintain posture. Um, so think about yourself sitting in a chair. Uh, it's your cerebellum that's keeping you balanced and upright in your chair. Now, we also have a couple of smaller parts of the brain called the thalamus and hypothalamus. The thalamus is the relay center for all sensory impulses. Now, the hypothalamus, on the other hand, regulates behavior and emotional expression, body temperature, many of the metabolic activities in our bodies. It's also attached to the pituitary gland, and it controls hormonal uh, secretions of the pituitary. At the very back of our brain, uh, underneath, kind of, and in front of uh, the occipital lobe is the brain stem. All right, and the brain stem consists of three structures. Uh, the gray matter of the brain midbrain uh, controls visual reflexes and sense of hearing. The white matter. Uh, called the pons, plays a role in regulating uh, visceral or internal organ control. And then we have the medulla oblongata. And while it's fun to say, uh, the medulla oblongata connects the rest of the brain to the spinal cord. It regulates breathing, swallowing, coughing, sneezing, vomiting, heartbeat, blood pressure. So you notice all these different pieces and parts of the brain have their own independent jobs. Moving on down the, um, the spinal cord, the spinal cord has 31 segments. Uh, there are eight cervical segments uh, that correspond to vertebrae C1 through C8, 12 thoracic segments, they're numbered T1 through T12, and five lumbar segments, again numbered L1 through L5. There's also five sacral segments. S1 through S5 vertebrae, and then there's the one uh, coxal segment at the very end, which is your tailbone. At each segment of the spinal cord, left and right pairs of sensory and motor nerves branch out and connect to the peripheral nervous system. These impulses are traveling back and forth to the brain and the muscles. There's also a colorless fluid that's produced by the ventricles of the brain, and it surrounds the brain and spinal cord. It's called the cerebrospinal fluid, and it cushions the brain and spinal cord from shocks that could cause injury. It's maintained at a level of about one-half to two-thirds of a cup in each one of us. Now, there's a couple of different uh, types of nervous systems that we uh, speak of when we're talking about neurology. There's the peripheral nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. The peripheral nervous system is a network of nerves branching out throughout the body from the brain and spinal cord. In addition to 31 pairs of nerves mentioned uh, before, 
there are 12 pairs of cranial nerves that attach to the brain. Uh, those 12 are the olfactory nerves that carry sensory input from smell, the optic nerve that carries sensory input for vision, the oculomotor nerve that controls muscles of the eye and eyelid, the trochlear nerve that controls the actual movement of the eyeball, the trigeminal nerve controls the face, nose, mouth, forehead, top of your head, jaw. Um, the abductans nerve also controls the eyeball. The facial nerve controls muscles of the face and scalp, part of the tongue for sense of taste. The auditory, sometimes called the cochlear nerve, provides sensory input for hearing and equilibrium. And the glossopharyngeal nerve controls saliva, swallowing, and taste. The vagus nerve is the longest cranial nerve, extending to and controlling the heart, lungs, stomach, and intestines. The vagus nerve is actually a pretty big nerve in your body. The accessory nerve permits movement of the head and shoulders, and the hypoglossal nerve controls muscles of the tongue. So those are all of the peripheral nervous system. All right, so it includes those 12 uh, pairs of cranial nerves plus 31 pairs of spinal nerves that are branching out from your spinal cord. So your peripheral nervous system is basically controlling everything. So you say, well, then what about the autonomic nervous system? What's up with that? The autonomic nervous system is part of the peripheral nervous system, and it controls involuntary bodily functions, such as sweating, gland secretions, blood pressure, the heart. Now, beyond the autonomic nervous system, we actually subdivide it into two different categories. We have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic divisions. The sympathetic nervous system might actually be the one that you're most familiar with. The sympathetic nervous system is the one responsible for the classic flight or fight response. It increases alertness, metabolic rate, respiration, blood pressure, heart rate, sweating. It also acts to decrease digestive and urinary function. So the autonomic nervous system is the one that, that gets going when you have that fight or flight response. Now, on the other hand, we have the parasympathetic nervous system. Then the goal of the parasympathetic nervous system is to do the exact reverse of the sympathetic nervous system. It counteracts the responses of the sympathetic system. Basically, the parasympathetic nervous system acts as a negative feedback mechanism. In other words, the parasympathetic nervous system will bring your body back and restore homeostasis. So as you can see, there's a lot going on in our brain and spinal cord and nervous system. But when you really look at it, uh, there's just uh, basic parts, basic pieces of the brain and the nerves um, that go into this system that works incredibly efficiently and incredibly fast.